Nelson in looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Five Stripe Final, the world's only highly distributed audio discussion, as you well know. My name is Joe Patrick. I am Sam Jonesless tonight, here on my own, covering the CONCACAF Champions League, where we have actually just seen Atlanta United win in 90 minutes. I don't know if we can actually call this a win. I want to call it a win. Y'all need to let us know if we can call this a win. Uh, but Atlanta United did you know, end the 90 minutes uh, up one nothing against Monterey, a team that hasn't lost a game in its league season all year, so that's good. Um, it was a much better performance from Atlanta United, obviously, tonight than we what we saw against Cincinnati on Sunday. Uh, we just talked to the players, and um, everybody pretty much agreed that that was the case. Uh, Frank DeBoer kind of talked a lot about the energy. Frank DeBoer talked about it. Michael Parkhurst talked about it. I'm trying to think. A bunch of people affiliated with the team talked about how Basically, the team had no energy on Sunday, and uh, today was obviously um, a good step in the right direction in, in regaining some of that positive feed, uh, that some of that positive, um, you know, feeling that they had at the end of last year. the The team tonight looked a lot more like the team uh, that we saw last season, and that was obviously good to see. Joseph Martinez scored the goal in the seventy seventh minute uh, off of an amazing assist by Darlington Nagby, so he deserves as much credit. For the goal, uh, as well as Joseph. Um, trying to just recap anything that happened in the game that was notable. There was one uh, phase where Monterey probably should have scored. They hit the bar twice. Um, one was an audacious chip that would have been an amazing goal. Um, but then that that ball went off the crossbar, fell right to one of their own players, and for what should have been an easy goal, and he missed it. So Atlanta was uh, fortunate to get away from that sequence without conceding. Um, but honestly, the team looked good in the attack. They had several more chances. Uh, at one point, uh, everyone in the stadium thought there had been a goal. In fact, even the the smoke machine shot off, but uh, apparently there was a foul at the top of the box, and I can't even remember who scored that goal. Um, but it was an interesting game because, you know, Frank DeBoer talked about the, the team didn't uh, really play the way that he expected to, um, that the, he expected them to tactically. Uh, he said that Monterey changed their system. They went with a back three, which they did not expect, uh, which forced Atlanta to make some changes. It looked to me like Ezekiel Barco was playing um, as more of like a free 10. It, it looked more like a 3-5-2, to be perfectly honest, than a 3-4-3. Um, really what it was, I, I think it, there was two reasons for that. One was to let Barco do a little bit more of the running and to kind of save Pitti. Uh, it looked, looked to me like Pitti Martinez stayed further up up the field, closer to Joseph, and Barco was seen running from touchline to touchline, um, tracking back, making passes, you know, just trying to get on the ball, trying trying to create play, and he did. He did very well in this game. Uh, I would say he was one of the standout players for Atlanta United. He did a ton of running, um, he, and he just looked excellent to me tonight. And he really has for uh, a lot of the season. Um, but anyway, the game the game was fine. Uh, we we kind of knew Atlanta United was probably going to be going out of this tournament tonight. Obviously, down three nothing. It, it's that's. It's not only is it an an enormous result to overturn; it's kind of impossible. And I, in fact, I think Michael Parker said the word "impossible" um, that they thought it was probably impossible heading into the game. So um, 
Anyway, that's how it went. I'm sure you guys probably watched it. We'll know what happened. So let's not talk about it anymore. Instead, what I'm going to do is throw it to an interview I did before the game. And so let me kind of set this up. Um, one of the one of the reasons I wanted to start really this podcast, this HDAD, I should say, um, is to kind of give people a glimpse into, you know, not life as a media member, but just, you know, what it's like for media people. I think it's worthwhile for you guys to kind of, you know, experience as much as we experience, um, or I, I can offer you that experience, kind of share it with you as much as I can. That's definitely what I want to do. So, um, it's kind of funny. Originally I planned to just interview Jason Longshore. Um, obviously you guys all know who he is. I just hadn't talked to him in a while. I mean, I've talked to him on his show, but I wanted to kind of sit down and um, do a one-on-one with him, which is kind of funny because that's not what this turned out to be at all. In fact, I think it turned out to be something much better. Uh, What ended up happening was I sat down, we were eating uh, our pregame meal, and so I just got out my computer and I started talking to him and John, and we just started recording our conversation. Um, As you will hear in the interview, uh, Felipe Cardenas from The Athletic sat down, so he joins in on the conversation as well. Uh, and you even you even get to experience uh, Lenny United Communications Manager Chris Winkler come over and give us some uh, some pregame news, and he kind of crashes the podcast uh, unknowingly. Um, so that's kind of funny, but that's kind of you know the stuff we experience and and kind of what we do, what we talk about. Um, these are the kinds of things that go on before the games uh, up here behind the glass pane windows. So I really hope you guys enjoy it. Um, I had a great time talking to these guys today, like I always do. And um, yeah, here is the interview with Jason Longshore, John Nelson, Felipe Cardenas, featuring Chris Winkler. Oh, and uh, apologies for the audio being bad. It's an uncontrolled environment, y'all. All we can do. Welcome back to the future. You will have just heard my recap of the game, and now we're going back in time to before the game when we're talking to <laughs> Jason Longshore. I'm John Nelson. I'm not making any predictions because they're just going to be used against me. Of course. So, wanted to get with you guys because you guys have me on your show, and I wanted to turn the table. Oh, okay. So I see see how this works. I wanted to be in a position of power here. I see how this plays. That works. I crave authority. So, um, no, but seriously, I think that it's, (laughs) this has been, so what we've talked about at Dirty South Soccer is that while the mood right now around Atlanta United might not be as, um, you know, jovial. Jovial is a good word to describe it. I do feel like it's a lot more interesting. Hmm? I think it's as interesting of a time to kind of cover this team as there's ever been because of the circumstances that have happened before it, all the success and good vibes. And now kind of what we're experiencing in this little early rocky part of the season. It reminds me a little bit of the week after the Toronto loss before the match at Yankee Stadium last season, the the week before the playoffs started, because there were those questions that popped up after that Toronto result. Um, This is, I think, a little more exaggerated because you have so much newness with the team right now, and you don't have those, those old standbys to fall back on that, okay, Tata Martino is going to do this or Miguel Almiron is going to do this. You don't have that. So who is going to do that? Who is going to be the, the player, the figure? Like, Is it going to be a tactical move? Is it going to be Pitti Martinez showing what he did with River Plate? Is it going to be somebody completely unexpected stepping up? What is it that changes this? What is it that changes that vibe? Right, yeah. I, it's funny because I, ta- I asked Michael Parkhurst uh, after the uh, – 
after the Cincinnati game, I said, "Is like, is this as frustrated as you've ever been? Is is this kind of the dowers the mood has ever been here? Because it seemed that way to me, just being in the locker room where there wasn't many, weren't many people to be found. No, they, <laughs> yeah, they checked they, out. Yeah, yeah, they were done. Um, and you know, he kind of harkened back. He said, "No, you know, like go back to Houston last mm-hmm. year, first mm-hmm. game of the yeah, season. Yeah, that was an, he called it an embarrassment. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. that game. So I think that I think we get caught up." in the moment a little bit we think about how bad we're feeling now and and that things have always been great in the past because of especially the way it ended you know last season with with a championship you're coming off of as highest of a high as you could possibly have so that's just kind of ingrained in people's minds so it is interesting from that respect i do i mean we forget the details sometimes too like so much of the conversation has been about like oh this team's always played four two three one no, no, it played a lot of three five two last year. Yeah. Or they've always pressed. No, they really stopped pressing pretty early in twenty eighteen. So like we get hung up on the good memories that we remember and we think it was always that. And you had questions in twenty seventeen in the middle where you were struggling, you couldn't beat DC. You were struggling with just a lot of like a really weird schedule where you had like three games or two games in August of seventeen going into that run at Mercedes-Benz when it opened, and it was just kind of fizzling because you had no continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, then last year, I mean, you had that streak with uh, the Kansas City loss at home and then the Red Bulls loss at home, and there were a lot of questions. Can't Or what was it? Uh, flat track bullies. Yeah. yeah. Haven't yeah. beaten anybody. Yeah. Haven't, there was some stat that they Atlanta hadn't beaten yeah. a top-four team or something. Yeah, yeah. I forget what it was. There's yeah. been so many different ups and downs, but we just think, like you said, about the trophy at the end. Yeah. It's a different time, I think, this one because of all the newness, and that's maybe the biggest difference. It's mm-hmm. just there's things that you counted on before aren't there, mm-hmm. and something else has to replace it. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about – you talk about newness. It's players – it's being involved in a hemispheric competition for the first time where, as we're sitting here, it's their fourth international game, and they have played how many domestic? Two. Half Two. of that. Yep. And having to come out of the blocks and do something that they've never done before, be in something they've never been in before, and, you know, it's like, okay, where's your... All right, so how are you starting your 2019 season? You know, you remember when we were all in school, you mm-hmm. wrote your essays, what I did on my summer vacation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For Atlanta United, it was, oh, we kind of hit the ground running. We had to go to Costa Rica and play and get ready for MLS and play against Monterey. And it's just all of these new, you've got new milestones, you have new expectations. And I think the fact that you're here in Southeastern Conference football center of it all I think that you have the casual fan who is used to doing stuff on Saturdays and following their favorite team, taking almost what they're used to on Saturday and Sunday morning, and now they're applying it to their favorite soccer team. So I think that there are a lot of different emotions and a lot of different things here at play. I I think one thing, too, and something I've been thinking about is the whole excuses aspect of it, right? Because people don't want to hear it. You know, there are no excuses, all this stuff. But at the same time, this team played, started its season playing five games in 17 days in three countries. And I don't think any other team in the world would start their season that way. I mean, I don't think it's... Not without much travel. Not with the mileage you put up. I mean, you get the teams that go into UEFA Champions League qualifying rounds 
have to do some of that yeah, where they start before their league starts and you've got some weird travel and you're playing like really small teams in weird like places. Celtic playing uh, the, the team in the Canary Islands that one year yeah, in Europa. Yeah, you get teams in the Faroe Islands. But yeah, typically and, those teams are playing against teams that have, you know, yeah, they're playing competitive games because they matter, but the, right. a lot of the times they're at a, a, a it's a much lower level. Yes, That's it's the, a whole the opposition thing. Yeah. where it's a much more level playing right. field here. Um, I just find the whole concept of uh, the excuses aspect interesting because I feel like it's a very American sentiment to have to say there are no excuses. You know, you get it, you get it done. There and are I'm no not, excuses. Not even, there are just results. I mean, even like you know, whether it's sports or even in, in other aspects of life, that kind of like determination. And I'm not saying that's unique to America, mm-hmm. but it definitely is, in my opinion, a, an American kind of uh, you know trait. Yeah. I think there's a difference of between excuses and explanations. Yeah, and excuses I'm not a huge fan of either but explanations you have to explain some of this right you have to explain that the best player in the postseason last year Franco Escobar hasn't been available since day one of preseason that's a huge issue George Bellow played one match before he took a knock in training didn't come back until this weekend with the twos that's an issue You've had to rely on Breck Shea. Mm-hmm. You would have relied on Mikey Ambrose. He had to play on the right side out of position because then Julian Gressel rolled an ankle. You've had a lot of weird things like that mixed in with the travel, mixed in with Pitti Martinez still integrating into the squad, building confidence. It's not easy. It's just flat out not easy. And then you get the draw where Herediano is one thing. You got a little lucky that they had to sell some players. They were in a bad run of form. You took advantage of that in the second leg. But then you get a team that... If CONCACAF could have drawn it up before the tournament to have Atlanta United, Monterey as your final, they would have taken it in a heartbeat. Yeah. And you get it in the quarterfinal round. And if Atlanta had Monterey later in the tournament, I think it'd be a different contest, a different series all the way around. Right now, it's really difficult to play at that level because you're not in midseason form. I think it'll be really interesting. I was just thinking about this on the car ride over here today. I was. I think it'll be really interesting to see how Atlanta performs in the Campeones Cup. And I don't know if they will, you know, obviously it's so far down the road, we don't know what kind of team they're going to field in that, right. in that game. Right. Yeah. But I think it will give an interesting, like, if they are, they could very well be playing Monterey or, or Tigres or, mm-hmm. or one of these teams that, that's competing uh, for the CONCACAF Champions League. So it'll be kind of interesting to see, to compare... Atlanta, mm-hmm. where where they were at this stage of the season, and then where they are then. No doubt. I think that will be a big litmus test as to how we can evaluate Frank Gore. Yeah, and you look at MLS teams in the competition overall to this particular point. Houston. Houston up did a, about what they yeah. should do. Yeah, I think I, I, they, yeah. I they think they performed up. To they mark. did it. They 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 fought. They fought gamely. They did really well. They tried to grind it out as best they could, and that was kind of an anticipated result. And Kansas City, I think that once Toronto decided to just not be anywhere close to showing up and just ask Terrence Boyd, maybe Terrence Boyd will get a new gig as a place kicker for the Argos. That penalty hasn't landed yet. <laughs> no. But, I mean, once Toronto was outdone and gone, I think that opened things up enough for sporting. Yeah. And sporting's bracket helped them out a little bit. But, you know, when we see this in a bunch of postseason tournaments, it doesn't really matter what the sport is. But if you have that one element that goes goofy in a bracket, then that's helped sporting come through. And I think that sporting, as we're talking, should make their way through and be in the final four. But you look at, and let's go ahead and say it, Red Bull. <laughs> 
and that that is an animal all in and of itself. But you have just in Toronto, in sporting, in Houston, in Red Bulls, and in Atlanta, teams that are having to play coming right out of the blocks. And I, and I think that it's a distinct disadvantage for them to do that, but that's just where scheduling is because you're having teams who are, you know, what, halfway through the Klausura in, in Liga Emanekis and have already had their international competitions getting to a certain point. So what can you do to help rectify the situation? Don't know, because you're not being fair to the other leagues who already have scheduled things the way they are. But I think that with MLS, I think it's a question they have to look at going forward yeah. about how to schedule things and how to, you know, do you give your guys an extra week of training camp or something? I think you have to figure those things out. I mean, the, the schedule is kind of unavoidable at this point yeah. because you can't push the final back any further because then you're dealing with Liga MX's playoffs and there's nowhere to slot it in. Um, you don't want to do it in the fall because MLS teams didn't want to have it in their stretch run, and now MLS final, MLS Cup is pushed up earlier. Yeah, you need to have two things happen. You got to have the season start for MLS earlier, which they're talking about. If it starts second week of February or so, <laughs> wow, well, we're getting crashed here. Uh, well, but he's trying to be quiet about it. <laughs> I don't want to hear. No, we're just gonna call it out. I don't want you guys get to in. Hear we're we're, my we're recording, so Why? whenever you want to jump in, yeah. Um, well, good evening. Thank you <laughs> there you go. Letting me crash. Uh, I was going to try to chew his without as much uh, distraction as <laughs> no, possible. No, no. Have I, your, have your, uh, your mastication, uh, right. making sure that it's it's all good to go. So, so uh, but, but John shows me the lineup, um, and I guess my only uh, reaction was, was a shrug. At this point, just because, you know, I think... Uh, like, how do? Yeah, I mean, he hasn't rotated yet. He hasn't had... The opportunity yet? Yeah. yeah. Every game is getting bigger. Um, obviously, they're going to go for it tonight, um, and and we'll see. I mean, look, it's a strong lineup. I mean, aside from LGP not being there, it looks like a lineup that would play on Sunday as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I said I said something interesting on your. Or, so I said something. You said interesting. something interesting, really. <laughs> I said something similar uh, on your show. It just seems like the way the results are going, it seems like the games are getting more and more important. Like it's it's kind of almost like more. Desperate, oh, yeah. almost well, in a sense. It's an to, amplified to, to sense of urgency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of almost the longer you go without getting a result, the more you want to try to, you know. I think when the club's president gets goes public as well and and, and, and starts uh, kind of giving an opinion the week before a game, I mean, supporting the manager, obviously giving him um, saying that he needs time and every manager is different, but also saying that you know he expects to see an attacking style. So. This is an opportunity to do it. Like, why not go out there tonight? Yeah, nothing to lose. Yeah, yeah. go for it. Um, That's what the fans want to see. They want to see a team that wants to attack, that wants to take some risks, and get ready for Sunday so that Sunday you're not trying it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you put on your salad? Sunflower seeds? Uh, Sunflower seeds, some ranch. Good natural oils in the seeds. That's it. Kind of going back to what you said about the scheduling, it Mm -hmm. does give me optimism that it seems like Don Garber and MLS in general is sort of receptive to changing things. You've seen the way they've been changing the the, the, the uh, rules and regulations around TAM, you know, money. They seem to be pretty receptive to trying to amp up the competitive, you know, the competitive ability of the league. Obviously, they're going to do it on a scale. You know, they don't want to jump it head first and anything but it does give me I think that they will kind of take into account what they've seen I think I saw a stat today that said um, the Mexican teams yeah. against yes. MLS teams have scored 88% of their goals in the last 30 minutes of the game last 20 the last yeah, 20 last minutes 20. of the game yeah. that's incredible that, yeah. and that's a stat that yeah. will jump out to yeah. executives and you know everybody in the league I think 
you got to get the players' union, the teams, and all the teams across the league, the teams who are not even thinking about CONCACAF Champions League, and the league office all on the same page. Like, you have to have training camps open earlier. You have to have the season start earlier. And you have to try to give these teams the best opportunity to play. I think the the salary cap stuff and however that gets sorted out, whether it's uh, dump the allocation in a way. It is already the end, I assume. Bella was supposed to start because of late scratch. Okay. In case people are like, why is it Amber? There you go. Got it. Do I need to edit that out (laughs) of this podcast that we're recording? (laughs) (laughs) It's not live. I got the time. I think you leave it in. <laughs> I think we leave no, it in. It's okay. No, it's fine. I mean, it airs. We're, it we're, airs we're, after we're, the fact. So I mean, it's we're, we're getting a, a real, you know, we're giving the fans, this you know, what, what it's like wall. to kind of, yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. 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 We're breaking the fourth wall. It's like well, it's like the scene in Smokey what? and the Bandit with yeah. the chase sequence when he dodges the cop and he just looks into the camera and goes... Yeah, <laughs> and he drives right on. Not cinema verite, I guess it's audio verite. Yes. Well, I'm glad I can interrupt. Uh, <laughs> Anytime. Thank you, Chris. Nice cameo. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, no, everybody has to get on the same page yeah. when it comes to having MLS teams have the best chance to compete in this tournament. Because, and and I think the other thing to keep in mind too is Monterey is an anomaly in Mexico right now. Like they're not your average Liga MX team no. in this tournament. They are a team that is built to dominate league and CONCACAF Champions League. They're spending money on a level that is making other Mexican clubs like, hey, wait a minute, yeah. <laughs> we can't do that. So this draw is about as difficult as you can get for Atlanta, but over time, outside of Atlanta, who else can really, really compete at this who's spending this type of money? Red Bulls have decided on a specific route for them. So I leave them to decide. They could spend if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Kansas City is doing everything they can do. Um, your LAFCs, your Seattles, your Torontos, it's you're gonna hit a wall because you don't have NYC. But they haven't even been here. Yeah. So you don't have the depth. Atlanta has great MLS depth. They don't have national team. Well, actually, I should say that depth, differently depth. right now because you do have TWL, yeah. but um, you generally <laughs> don't have those types of options right. off the bench. Yeah. And Atlanta has one, two, three. Monterey could, could field anybody from their 18 and change a game. Mm-hmm. You don't have those game changers, not enough of them. You know what the red flag for me was as well? Was last night's result in uh, you know the Red Bulls against Santos because Santos isn't the anomaly right. they no. are a mid-table team they're in ninth place they, they're a good team but they're a team that one of MLS's top teams in the Red Bulls should defeat well, you know, that's an entirely different show. Don't, don't even that's an entirely different show I heard Chris you guys this substitution pattern. And, and I agree with you I Chris Armas blew it I think Chris Armas was yet again exposed as far as just like pressure situation management. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really thought, you know, again, why, why beat a dead horse, but. No need to restrain your cudgel he here. Was, he was, you know, thoroughly owned and outcoached by Tata Martino in the playoffs. Yep. And, and, and again, last night, yeah, his players looked tired at the end. Like, once the goal started coming, there were guys that couldn't close anyone down. Yeah. But still, Santos was not a team. They're not Monterey. They're not a team no. that should scare any top-tier MLS team. You made two subs in the 65th minute. Santos took five minutes to see what you had done, what what you opened up, mm-hmm. made one sub, and scored four goals. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that's that's on Armas. 
Like, that's flat out on Arvis. Throughout the Spanish language broadcast last night, the, the, the analysts were, were talking about the, the difficult situation that Santos is in, mm-hmm. the, the turmoil, mm-hmm. the, the, the lack of consistency. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the coach is under pressure. And they just knocked out uh-huh. you a record-breaking MLS you team. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so that is that'll be another red flag to, to Joe's point. You know, to executives, Garber. You know, if if that's happening, then things need to change. Otherwise, the, you know, MLS teams will never be able to compete. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty poor reflection. And I, I wonder if the uh, if the way that the schedule has been readjusted this year, you know, and the playoffs, that stuff has been moved up. That. It'll be interesting to see if that does help MLS teams next year because it's like something we've seen with Atlanta is that they had an abbreviated preseason yeah. because the CBA only allowed, required them to be off for six weeks. Mm-hmm. So then they couldn't even, if, if they wanted to get together sooner to start preseason, yeah. they couldn't. That's something Seattle's mentioned this year. They started out really well, and they mentioned the last two years where they went to the Cup, then went straight into CONCACAF, and they had that abbreviated preseason, and it hurt them. Um, there's so many different levels to it. I mean, the, the spending, the schedule, the players who can handle these pressure situations, because that's been an issue. The coaches that can past, handle these pressure situations. But then there's that. Um, and you're you're addressing parts of it in different places, but not all of it at once. You know, like you get Matias Almeida just won the thing. <laughs> if San Jose was in it, he'd know how to manage this competition. Um, Chris Armas has never been there before. So he doesn't know how to manage this competition. Frank DeBoer's been in these situations. He knows how to manage the competition. It's it's a really tough situation because Atlanta maybe has as many advantages as anybody else, and you're facing a 3-0 deficit. You know what? To, that's a beat on Chris Armas more. But no, let's keep going. <laughs> come on, yeah, come that, on, dude. That's the right. brand. You're that's right. the brand it's of this a, podcast. Yeah, well, true. he was um, – you're absolutely right. He, it was his first time in, in you know the CCL as a head coach. But his players have been there before, and I think mm-hmm. – we're, let me just like give a shout out and represent the players first and the MLS players. The, the longer this goes on, the current schedule, uh, the lack of you know, the short preseason, the expectations that they need to start beating MLS, they're not going to look forward to playing in the tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in Take Atlanta United, for instance, like they're probably like, this is what we qualify for. You know, <laughs> this is what we're, we're trying to. This is what we're trying to get at the end of the season. Like this is difficult. Like I've heard. Um, Robles, the, the, and the Red Bull goalkeeper on SiriusXM talking about how difficult it is, how difficult it was last season, how you know the players come in and, and some guys have done everything in their power to not touch a ball, to not think about the sport, to stay fresh, and then you're right, right, you're right back into it. So eventually, the players are going to complain, and and, and, and they won't be out there giving. You know, they won't be fresh. They'll be frustrated. They're thinking, we're not supposed to win. This is unfair. Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah it, it's going to start to snowball. And, and until you start chipping away at those, at those, the factors that are leading to the results, you know, we're just going to, we're going to see this year after year. We're going to keep having the same discussion. Put more prize money on it. Yeah. That'll help the players. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Prize, prize money. Yeah, those types of things. All right, I got one more, and then I got to go. Let's just cut it right there. All right. Okay, uh, so then we'll cut it right there. Yeah. All right. Yep. Adios. Uh, yeah, we'll see you guys uh, later. Yes. I got to go talk. <laughs> That's how we close the show. Yeah. <laughs> Bye.